Do you want to know why you should keep targeting Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker in fantasy football drafts in 2023? It's time to find out and a lot more here as we look at the second-year running backs and quarterbacks only on Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. We're into a new week. That means a new topic here on the show. And we're going to break down second-year running backs and quarterbacks here for you. So we'll look at uh, the fine class of sophomore backs. Hopefully there's no such thing as slump with them. And then look at some quarterback sleepers that could have some interest here later in drafts. We'll get into all that on today's show. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're free and available wherever you get your Podcast, subscribe, and follow us everywhere. This episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and it's promo code LockedOnNFL for a white tech hat, which I'm sporting right now. With any order, you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. All right, uh, before we get into it, I'm one of your co-hosts here, Vinny Iyer. As usual, when I'm not doing this, I'm writing for Sporting News, Fantasy Football and NFL. Hey, hey, I'm Michelle Majuk. I'm a researcher for NFL Network and a fantasy analyst for NFL.com. All right. So today, Michelle, we're going to look at the second year players. And again, we don't want that word sophomore slump. We want sophomore sensation with all these guys. And what we'll do in our first segment is look at the running backs that have the most draft value here and all the way actually through RB2 rankings here with these guys in half point PPR. So I'll quickly run down where they are according to fantasy pros here. Brees Hall of the Jets still steady and strong at 13 on the board at running back. You have a Kenneth Walker of the Seahawks at 17. Damian Pierce last year's steal as a rookie with the Texans here at 22. And rounding out the RB2 options among your second year running backs, Rashad White of the Buccaneers. So Michelle, What stands out to you about this quartet? I think the number one question we have to ask ourselves is, is Brees Hall worth the draft cost? Because he's still going as a running back 13, 28th overall. We all saw the talent. I mean, he was well worth his draft price last year. From weeks one through seven, he was a running back eight in points per game, was scoring 16.4 points per game had the six most scrimmage yards among running backs I mean and the only guys that had more than him were all just like the top elite guys and now he's joining like he he gets to go into his second year on a better offense you would assume with Aaron Rodgers more scoring opportunities should be more holes for him it just comes down to the injury will he be fully healthy right now he's placed on the pup list prior to training camp he hasn't come off that yet the team has, you know, brought in Dalvin Cook for a visit. He hasn't signed as of yet, but it just seems like he might not be 100% good to go. Yeah, that's the concern here. The Dalvin Cook uh, dalliance is something that we want to pay attention to with the Jets because it kind of gives us an indication how healthy they think Brees Hall is going to be. I mean, he's looked okay, and all the indications are that he's on track, and 
yeah, I still agree with you. This is a very aggressive ranking for someone who had a major knee injury and as a rookie. So he still has to recover and work to get there. And again, I, I think if they don't move on with Dalvin Cook and try to add him, that's a really good sign. And then you can kind of have a feeling that they're going to go to Brees Hall like he was before he got hurt here. So there's that to consider. I think his ceiling is just so high with this offense. And again, there's some parallels here, right? Aaron Rodgers on this new team with a lot of defense. This team could be ahead in a lot of games or in position where they can run the ball and hand the ball to Brees Hall in different ways. So I think I like that aspect. There is a maybe a parallel even to Aaron Jones and what you can get out of him with a higher ceiling here if the volume is up here. And again, it just depends on what the, else they do at running back. I'm not right now too worried about uh, Zonovan Knight or – Israel, Abani Kanda, Michael Carter, any of these guys uh, too much behind Brees Hall. So that's the uh, good thing here for Hall. Now I'm going to go down a little bit to Damian Pierce. He was last year's darling. I had him on several teams here as my RB2, and that's what he came through at right until he got hurt late in the season. That was a bummer. We didn't have him for the fantasy football playoffs. But now you look at this offense, it looks a lot better, right? Uh, we didn't have any competent quarterback play last year, Michelle, with Davis Mills and he was pretty much the offense, right? When they had to give the ball to someone to move the ball anywhere on the field, it had to be him for the most part. So now you look at this offense, you got CJ Stroud in there. You got this 49ers zone blocking running scheme in there. You've got some okay receivers and maybe a little bit better blocking tight end there in Dalton Schultz. So the only concern here with the name Pierce, you got Devin Singletary hanging around. Now, what do you think we can expect from him? Year two, it's hard to adjust to a new offense, but I'm a little skeptical with Pierce only because he wore down late last season, and I think Singletary may have been a bit better than a lot of people thought last year in Buffalo. I'm really not worried about Devin Singletary. The The thing with him is, yeah, he's a good runner, but he's smaller. He's not going to steal the goal line work. And he's like, what are the worst pass catchers uh, among running backs yeah. in the NFL in terms of efficiency? So that's where I think one area that Damian Pierce can really grow because he was a great runner last year. And the only thing that really held him back was when the Texans were getting destroyed in the second half of games. Yeah. They went away from the run game and then injuries towards the end of the season. Uh, but Pierce had nine games of 15 plus carries last year. He averaged a very solid 14 points per game. Now, is that like absolutely amazing? No, but it's solid. And is for his draft costs, like you'll be happy with that. The thing is, he didn't have a ton of targets. He only scored three rushing touchdowns in those games that he had those 15 carries. But with Rex Burke had gone, it sounds funny to say, but Rex Burke had was like the main receiving back there. And that's who would come in in the second half of games. I think that helps Pierce. And I think he should see more targets this year. I think he's super talented and his draft cost isn't as scary as Brees Hall's where Brees Hall, you're picking him over, you know, a Najee Harris or a Joe Mixon or a Travis Etienne, other guys that should be super, super valuable. And that's just too pricey for me. But with Damian Pierce, you're picking him over Alvin Kamara, over Cam Akers, over James Conner. I'm fine doing that. And I think he has high upside. Yeah, and it's all about the value. We talked about it, Michelle, in relation to the rest of the field. Now, Brees Hall's price is too high right now. If you're expecting him to hold up like one of those workhorse backs that get 20-plus touches per game, that's fine. But when you look at Damian Pierce, you don't need that much, right, to come through as an RB2. So his price is just right here, and I think that's the most appealing thing about Damian Pierce on top of this offense 
just the scheme and organization just being much more improved. Now, one guy I did say, well, maybe you can address Kenneth Walker here, but I did say I'm going to avoid Rashad White in drafts. I just don't want to be attached too much to the Buccaneers offense. I just don't want Baker Mayfield <laughs> and uh, banking on him moving the ball in the passing game. Now, I hate to do this because I like Chris Godwin. I like Mike Evans. I've had them on my team before, but Rashad White could rack up a lot of catches and that could be a saving grace here, but I'm not hundred percent sure that he's going to be getting all the work that we expect and maybe they'll limit him a little bit. And I just don't trust this team altogether offensively in transition. I'm not sure also if Rashad White can hold up as well on the early downs. We've yet to see that because we've had Leonard Fournette in the mix as well, taking pressure off him. So, I want to see a little bit more from Rashad White. I think I'd rather look at Michelle as a flex type player versus like, okay, I'm going to lock him in. He's a solid. I'm going to get a good RB2 value from him here, and I'm going to set it and forget it with him every week. Uh, Do you kind of feel that way? And uh, maybe do you feel that it's justified that Kenneth Walker is ahead of him? Yeah, I definitely think we'll get to Kenneth Walker here in a second. I think Walker deserves to be ahead of him, but – Rashad White, he's been so hard for me this year. I can't figure out if I'm on board or not on board, but I think his draft cost is is fair, right? He's going as a running back 21, 63rd overall. He was terribly inefficient last year, like he as a rusher and as a receiver. But his usage was, especially in the passing game, was something that we can take as Maybe this means that he will be a viable fantasy asset moving forward. He was one of just seven running backs to have 100-plus carries and 50-plus receptions in their rookie season since 2017. The other guys were CMC, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, and Kareem Hunt, and Najee Harris. A a good group of guys to be involved with. The issue was there was Leonard Fournette there as well, and he sold 262 running back touches last year. Who are those going to? I mean, his competition is Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, guys who have not been impressive. I Honestly, his biggest competition might be an undrafted or a free agent this year, Sean Tucker, who should have been drafted in the third round if it wasn't for his scary heart condition that just popped up. That's like his biggest competition. So I do think he gets a ton of work. The biggest issue is like how bad is Baker Mayfield in the Buccaneers? Yeah, I don't necessarily like forced volume-based plays, if that makes sense. Like, I want something beyond the volume that I can feel confident about. And as much as Chase Edmonds is not great, he's still some guy that can catch passes, right, if they need to. And if Rashad White is disappointing or they're not comfortable giving him too many touches, we can go in that direction. But I also don't see the Buccaneers moving the ball enough. Typically, Michelle, my policies stay away from running backs on bad teams as much as possible, and this – figures to be a bad team this year. So that's something to consider. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be a bad team. And if you look at Kenneth Walker, we talked about it before. Her only concern here is maybe Zach Charbonnet cutting into the work, but Charbonnet is banged up here in training camp. And Walker, look, the numbers are pretty darn good when he came in and took over. And as expected, Rashad Penny broke down in his final season in Seattle. And Walker kind of just lived up to what he was at Michigan State. So I still think Walker is a really good value here, especially where he's going in the RB2 range. Uh, right now he's ranking, as I mentioned before, 17th and half point PPR at running back. Yeah, so I, I do think his cost is reasonable. I, I think he'd be going way higher, obviously, if they didn't select Zach Charbonnet in the second round. But hes I do think he's a safe pick. 
right? It's because last year and he didn't really get to start until week six, but from week six through 18, he scored at least 12 PPR points in 11 of those 12 games. And he did that without scoring a touchdown in any of the last five games. So it wasn't just touchdown dependent. He's an ex- super explosive guy, had 10 carries of 20 plus yards as a rookie, tied for the second most with Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb when those guys had like 100 more carries than he did last year. So it's pretty crazy. My biggest concern, honestly, right now is that he is dealing with a groin injury in in training camp. Those can linger. So if Zach Charbonnet kind of gets his chance to show what he can do, but it does feel like uh, Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, but he also loves to have one guy, right? So when they drafted Rashad Penny and Chris Carson was there, there was worries there that they'd be splitting. It really, all the work went to Chris Carson. Last year when they drafted Kenneth Walker, there was worry Rashad Penny about Rashad Penny. Well, all the work went to Rashad Penny until he got injured. So I do think maybe we're discounting the work that Kenneth Walker will have quite a bit. And he's so explosive and can break off those long runs. I kind of like where he's going right now. Yeah, and we want to go a little bit deeper than these guys, and we'll do that. I mean, there's a lot of intriguing names, including Isaiah Pacheco. We'll talk about in our next segment if any of these guys have the potential to outscore this uh, group of players we just talked about. So exciting to explore second-year players. They're exciting up-and-comers, maybe underrated in relation to the rookies in terms of hype. So we'll talk more about uh, several running backs and also look at the quarterbacks here in year two, see if you can mine any fantasy football value there. Welcome to Locked on Fantasy Football once again. I'm Vinny Michelle, your destination to become the smartest fantasy football player in your league. We're part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. We told you at the top that this episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and uh, I am sporting some Bird Dogs right now, Michelle. Um, The cap is something that you can get as well as a listener and a viewer of Locked On Fantasy Football, because there's a very special offer right now on the table, and that's the free gift you're going to get with Bird Dogs. And if you haven't heard about Bird Dogs, they make you look good. A Bird Dog stretch khaki short designed to make you look slimmer, fit through the thigh and leg, giving you a totally sculpted look that you want. And it's still hot out there. So you want to have those shorts and bird dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton. They fix this issue at bird dogs by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. So really it's great. Again, Right now, I am uh, sporting some bird dog shorts. I've got the, the hat on. They're very comfortable as we record here. So it's a lot of uh, real comfort clothing that you're going to find at bird dogs. And you can wear them in active settings or just a transition for a day on the town. So really, it's uh, great. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnFL and enter the promo code LockedOnFL. Either way will work. And you'll get this free white tech hat with your order. That's right. Birddogs.com locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL for this white tech hat that you'll get absolutely free with your order. You won't want to leave and take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, Michelle, it is time to continue the show and look at some other second year running backs that we're interested in here this season. The next uh, person up here in the half point PPR rankings, according to Fantasy Pros. At 28 is Isaiah Pacheco of the Chiefs. Then we've got James Cook of the Bills at 30. Brian Robinson Jr. of the Commanders at 34. 
Tyler Algier at 44. And also in the top 50, we'll break this part up uh, between pre-top 50 and after top 50. We have Jalen Warren of the Steelers at 47. So of this group of five running backs, uh, what uh, stands out to you? You know, I think people are getting really excited about James Cook. He's He has a lot of good reports coming out of training camp that, you know, he's taking all the reps and he's the clear cut. Hey, he looks like he's going to be the clear cut guy over Damian Harris, all that, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. I can't trust Bill's running backs. I have, listen, I will be completely upfront. I was a Zach Moss truther to the highest extent. There's no one that believed in him more than I did. But I also really liked Devin Singletary for a while there, too. It's just none of these running backs tend to matter when they're playing next to Josh Allen. No Bills running back has averaged 12-plus fantasy points per game in PPR leagues in any of the last three seasons since Josh Allen broke out. And Devin Singletary's 12.3 points per game in 2019 were the most in a single season throughout all of Josh Allen's career for any running back on the Bills. There's – like, I – they just don't use their running backs consistently enough. You never know what's going to happen, especially when they get to the goal line. It just feel, it feels like Josh Allen takes over at all times. And they they like to play multiple running backs. So I think Damian Harris is going to get in as well as James Cook. James Cook will have some good games, but he's also going to disappear a ton. It's not like you're spending an early draft cost on him. So I don't hate taking the chance on him. I just don't expect much. Yeah, I understand that completely. And Josh Allen, let's just face it, he's a ball hog, right? He's going to throw a lot. He's going to throw nearly 70% of the time. When it's near the goal line, he's going to call his own number a lot of it. So that's tough, right? And that's why Josh Allen is a consistently elite QB1 here because he's going to eat up those uh, key rushing numbers as well for this team. And I think maybe we're just forcing it to happen to say, hey, the Bills got to run the ball sometime too, and someone's got to touch the ball enough times to have an impact, right? To some degree, but I think they have a cap ceiling, right, Michelle? Just because of just the availability of touches in this offense and opportunities, really, with the passing game as well. When you have more weapons right now, the passing game. When you add Dalton Kincaid, maybe Khalil Shakir has a bigger role, so maybe less dependent even on this backfield to catch passes. So that's a little bit concerning now. The guy that I banged the table here, the guy right before him in the rankings, Isaiah Pacheco, and I'm still surprised Pacheco is at 28. He still could be rising here. I know Jarek McKinnon is back. They really don't lose much in the way of uh, backfield touches here, and that's a concern, right? And Pacheco, even though he had the good game against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, catching passes, they're still concerned that that's not his key role. But I just look at another thing that – I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes love Isaiah Pacheco, and that's very important because whenever Andy Reid loves a running back, he's going to find ways to get him the ball. And really only in recent years because of injuries and attrition and maybe Clyde Edwards-Lair not being very good, you've had Andy Reid backs disappoint in fantasy. That's been something that was tried and true for a long time, and we said, okay, there's no way Clyde Edwards-Lair misses. But the problem is he just wasn't good enough, right, to handle all the things that Andy Reid wants to do. And I, I think Pacheco, a little bit underrated, that they can use him more in the passing game. He's going to finish a lot of drives. This team's going to score a lot, right? He's kind of the anti-Rashad White, right? <laughs> you may not get the volume that you're looking for, but he's going to get some high-leverage touches for a team that's going to score a lot of points, and he's going to be more involved in the passing game than you think. 
Yeah, so I'm more, I, I definitely am that risk taker fantasy player. I want to take guys with high ceilings. So I'm going to go with the Rashad Whites or the James Cook over Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco, like this is the thing with him. People didn't expect really anything from him because like he just came out of nowhere. And he looked talented on the ground, but he didn't really do much of anything for fantasy. He took over the backfield in week 10. He had more than 16 touches in just one of nine games. He never scored more than 16 PPR fantasy points. He had 10 total receptions throughout those nine games. He is the definition of touchdown or bust. Like if you get a touchdown from him, he should score, you know, 13 to 16 points. Cool. Like that's pretty much your ceiling with him in any given game, unless he knocks in two touchdowns and then if he doesn't score a touchdown you're gonna be lucky to get five to seven eight fantasy points it's just it's not really for me he's not he's not the back I desire I I get it he's talented he'll be fine for you in your RB2 spot it's just he doesn't have a high enough ceiling for me yeah and really it comes down to how much work he's gonna get in the passing game we know Jarek McKinnon also scored a un expected number of touchdowns last year so yeah. there's that so maybe he can siphon off into that and again i'm not saying that he's going to jump in and give us rb1 numbers but i think he could be a little bit more appealing as an rb2 now interesting that we look at some of the other backs and if you want to address brian robinson we can but it could go a little bit deeper here i stopped at 47 but right behind tyler algier and jail warren jerome ford now i am interested in one of these backs as a handcuff more than the others. And it is Jerome Ford. Like I like Tyler Algier, but there's other options there. If they wanted to spread it out beyond Bijan Robinson, and you expect Bijan Robinson to dominate touches. Jalen Warren has been hyped up a little bit, but we've heard this before. Najee Harris is there. And I think they're both worthy handcuffs, right? But I look at the Cleveland Browns offense. It is dependent on the run and what Nick Chubb can do. And Chubb just is maybe overdue for wearing down a little bit and having some injury attrition. So when you look at that, I think Jerome Ford, he's the must-have handcuff of this group for me. Do you agree? And do you feel like all these guys are the true handcuffs that you're chasing in these situations? Yeah, I mean, I think Jerome Ford only really comes into play for fantasy relevance if Nick Chubb were to get injured. So if you you want insurance policy, if you were to take Nick Chubb early I think that's fair uh one guy I'm super interested in taking where he could be a handcuff plus maybe have some relevance without his guy getting injured is Pierre Strong of the Patriots it all depends on if they sign someone right they brought in Delvin Cook they brought in Zeke but they didn't sign either of them so obviously if they bring in a veteran this cancels out this take, but they clearly want a counterpart with Ramondre Stevenson. They don't want him to have to do everything this year on offense. They've always been uh, a, an offense that wants multiple running backs in their backfield being productive and getting snaps. And Strong was a fourth round pick last year. He only had 10 carries, but he had 100 yards and a touchdown on those 10 carries. So tiniest of sample sizes. But I think if they don't sign anyone else, Pierre Strong is going to get snaps and have a role. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say that you always don't look at the other Patriots back, right? Because yeah. you get so nervous about one guy handling loads. Or, okay, who's the other guy? Who's the other guy that we can try to get value with? And Ramondre Stevenson's uh, price is so high right now. This is the only way you're going to get a piece of the Patriots backfield. You could target Pierre Strong, even if you don't have Stevenson here, to say, hey, there could be some attrition here. Stevenson's going to have to handle a bigger workload, and we'll see what happens there. So that is a really good call. I'm going to go up the board again real quick. And, well, I'll first uh, stay here and say Zamir White. We'll have to see what happens with Josh Jacobs, but obviously he'll have a different 
type of value, but I could also see this being a messy committee with different backs being involved. So I'm not too interested in Zamir White, but Brian Robinson Jr. to me is a little bit interesting, Michelle, because you have Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Chiefs. So now is there a parallel between we use Jarek McKinnon style touches here for Antonio Gibson, get him involved in the passing game, and we give Brian Robinson Jr. the early down work. I don't know if it's going to be that simple. I I don't know. I think I'm going to avoid the commander's backfield. I just do not trust things. And uh, we'll talk about your second-year favorite quarterback here, Sam Howell. But, again, another offense I'm not maybe going to invest in, at least in the backfield there in Washington. Yeah, Brian Robinson's just a dude. He averaged the fewest fantasy points per touch among all running backs with 200-plus touches last year, by far. I mean, by far, far. So he's not someone I'm, like, dying to get. He'll get touches. You might get some touchdowns, but – he doesn't he, he doesn't do it for me. Yeah, he's just way too high on the board to me. I mean, yeah. he's way too high. I mean, I know 34 is not that high, but I don't know if I would even trust him as a flex play at this point. So, yeah, that, that one I disagree with. And, uh, again, uh, good running back class you can exploit, but definitely one of those first four guys we talked about has a lot more appeal than the back end. Now, we will get into the quarterbacks. There are some quarterback values we can look at. And Michelle and I talked about different quarterbacks we're going to target there as QB2s with some upside there. We'll break that down for you in our final segment. I do have to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. Football season, yes, it's about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, yep, it's time to do that already. Yeah, the futures are here. You can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That's right. You do not get this anywhere else. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. Then you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Hey, you might be targeting the Chiefs or maybe going a little bit deeper with these picks here for the Super Bowl, but really cool opportunity here. So take advantage of it. Take some time to visit FanDuel and check it out and look at the money lines and all the good stuff there that you're going to get on and uh, get your Super Bowl bets in here because the 2023 NFL season just around the corner, and especially for us in Fantasy time, we're excited, and uh, time to make those bets now. All right, Michelle, it is uh, time to close the show, and uh, I have four quarterbacks I've listed here. There's not a lot here in terms of a quarterback, and I I think it's even less maybe appealing than the rookies this year, this group, but I'll still mention them. You have Kenny Pickett. 22nd on the board at quarterback uh, out of uh, Pittsburgh. You got Brock Purdy. He's still in the mix at 23, so this is an indication that uh, we all expect him to start here over Trey Lance in this 49ers offense. Sam Howell comes in at 27, and Desmond Ritter of the Falcons at 31. Now, look, this is not a group that you're going to look for, okay, one of these guys is going to break out and give me QB1 potential here, but there's some value. And Michelle, uh, we'll start with you. I know you've uh, mentioned Sam Howell a lot, and I can totally see his appeal here given his receiving core. Yeah, I was going to say, excuse me, sir. I do think there's a breakout candidate in this group that you're way underselling. It's Sam Howell uh, of the Commanders. I understand he was only a fifth-round pick last year, but he was Daniel Jeremiah's 48th overall ranked prospect entering the draft. He was never supposed to fall that far. We don't know why he did, right? But it seems like he's going to get the chance to start this year. He led 
uh, FBS quarterbacks with big time throws over his time in college from 2019 to 2021. He was one of just four FBS quarterbacks to have 3,000 pass yards and 800 rushing yards in a single season since 2017. You want to know the other guys? Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. That's it. Like what he did is truly impressive at, at, um, at UNC. But then he gets one start last year. He scores 18.3 fantasy points. By the way, Kenny Pickett started 12 games, and he had one game with more than 16 points. Howell scored two touchdowns in this game, something Kenny Pickett never did throughout his 12 starts. And he has that mobility to get ex those extra fantasy points on the ground. We saw in his first start, had a nine-yard rushing touchdown, 35 total rushing yards. He threw a perfectly placed bomb to Terry McLaurin for 52 yards and then had three separate receptions of 30 yards, 22 yards, and 20-yard completions to Jahan Dotson. I love Sam Hall this year. He's my favorite late-round pick. And also, I think Brock Purdy is a nice late-round pick as well. Yeah, I do like the weapons, right? On those teams, you cannot deny the weapons and the offensive systems are in the favor of those quarterbacks, maybe even more so than the other situations, right? I think I don't think there's a debate about that because you look at Falcons and Desmond Ritter. Marcus Mariota had a few games last year that you saw him put up some numbers, but Desmond Ritter is going to be in a run-heavy offense with B. John Robinson, so I do not like those type of offenses to target even some athletic quarterbacks such as Ritter. Now, I'll go back to Kenny Pickett. I know we're in a difference of opinion here. I do like Sam Howell. I do. I'm just a little concerned here that I've not seen him, right? He's a bit of an unknown quantity. Now, you could also argue that we've seen Pickett, and it hasn't looked great with the numbers, and we've seen that Matt Canada is back there as the offensive coordinator. But I think the biggest thing for Pickett, as we've talked about before, he's got to run the ball a significant amount to help. But now there are some things we like. The Steelers should be a little bit better in the passing game with better health. They should have better offensive line. They should just be a better team overall, right? And maybe they'll take some of the reins off Kenny Pickett and let him throw downfield to some of these weapons he has. Because I don't see Deontay Johnson having a scoreless season. I mean, the numbers and metrics say he should have had a much bigger season. Maybe this not getting the ball enough. So that's something you look at. And George Pickens will be better. And, again, we talked about Allen Robinson a little bit. I think having a red zone target like that on top of Pat Freeman is this key. So I think, to me, Michelle, I think you saw the flashes with Sam Howell where we saw the bits and pieces around Kenny Pickett, and they haven't come together yet. So maybe that's what it is, and maybe it's going to be one of these guys puts it all together, but it's just hard to say we're going to go that direction. Now, how high do you think Sam Howell is going to finish? Because I think – Kenny Pickett, I think, maybe finishes a few spots higher at best here as a QB2. But do you think Sam Howell could sneak in? I mean, we've seen Taylor Heineke and others put up some big numbers at times in this offense. This is the thing with Sam Howell. He could be atrocious and be benched after week five and do nothing. Yeah. Or I do think his ceiling is a top 12 guy this year. Like, no, I would never say he has a ceiling of top five, but I won't be shocked if he puts together a nice season as the core quarterback 10 11 12 this year with his rushing ability um, but one guy I think we definitely need to hit on too is Brock Purdy I mean he was actually a viable fantasy asset last year unlike any of these other guys it all just comes down to do we believe it will continue right I mean he scored two or more touchdowns in every game he started is that sustainable he has the best weapons probably overall in the league. He averaged over 18 fantasy points per game over his first five starts. It's does the elbow injury affect him? I, I don't know. How what are your thoughts on Brock Purdy? 
Yeah, I mean, he's the classic 215-2 guy. I like to write about these guys. And Jimmy Garoppolo used to be my 215-2 guy. In this right matchup, you're going to get 215-2. You're going to get almost nothing in the running game, right? So that's the biggest thing with Brock Purdy, where Sam Howell, you talked about his athleticism. We know Kenny Pickett is a good athlete, but that's my only concern with Purdy is that he's going to give you nothing there on the ground. It's going to be short passes, get it out to McCaffrey, but he could also fall backward into fantasy points with the weapons he has, right? With Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and McCaffrey and George Kittle. There's just guys that are going to produce around him and get him to that. I just don't think he's going to give you a high ceiling. I think he's a strong backup, right? If he wins that job, the elbow's not an issue. He's going to keep that starting job. So look at that. You put him as a backup, you know what you're going to get, right? You can get away with just having him, if you've got a high-end QB, say, a Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes, you just get Brock Purdy's or backup, just make sure the matchups line up with the bye week and, and go from there. But when you look at Purdy, I think that's the only concern with me. I think he's a great distributor of the ball and he can put up some numbers. But keep in mind, Garoppolo was a good streamer at times and could platoon, but you didn't have those numbers that you could say, okay, we're going to put him out more than a few times a season. Yeah, I play in quite a few super flex leagues, which is basically just a two quarterback league because you can start a quarterback in your flex spot. And uh, either Sam Howell or Brock Purdy, those are my favorite quarterback threes to get. Like, uh, you know, you draft your two quarterbacks early on in the draft because they're so important in those type of leagues. And then you kind of wait and you get to wait a bit. And then you take Sam Howell and Purdy and they give you that upside where you you could hit on another starter. Uh, so I, I that's my process there in in those type of leagues. Yeah, it, really a lot of quarterback comes down to the system, right? The system, the weapons, things around these guys, if they're not maybe the light-up type guys, right? There's some guys that can put up numbers independent of who's around them. Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't really matter what receivers you throw out, but these are not those type of players. So as young quarterbacks, you have to look at the systems, you got to look at the support, and then go from there. And then if you can say, look, Howell is good support, you can definitely go in that direction. If we think Pickett has good support, you can go there. And we know of all the three quarterbacks, Purdy has the most support, right? Offensive line, weapons, everything is there nicely for him. So again, these are some good values. Definitely you should consider even as QB twos, if you're not drafting them as a third and super flex, you can definitely look at them as QB twos in the leagues where you start one quarterback for sure. So really good stuff here, Michelle, breaking down the second year running backs and quarterbacks. So thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, thanks again for checking us out uh, with our shows every day of the week. Tomorrow on the show, that means we're going to focus on second-year wide receivers and tight ends. I'm excited about this. We'll talk about Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Drake London and all these uh, young stars. Christian Watson. Yeah, I'm ready for it, Michelle. So uh, looking forward to that conversation for Locked On Fantasy Football. This has been Vinny Iyer. And I'm Michelle Majuk. Bye, y'all.